Pig girls, plastic surgery programs, interspecies. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've done this already, Todd. Nope. This time it's Batman and Robin. Welcome to Panelism, a podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey, Todd. Hello, Taylor. Uh, Wow, it's great to talk to you again. (laughs) Yeah, for those of you listening, we record these back to back usually. So you'll have listened to last week's episode, which we just recorded. And now it's this week's episode. So Todd and I are still at We haven't done this for several weeks. We've been doing like one shot episodes. So I think that's what what got in my head there was like, oh, wow, we just finished an episode. Now we're going to do a pick that I'm bringing to the table. But uh, I knew it, but we had, and we're, <laughs> we had some, uh, we had a couple of shout outs to do. I was, God, I really didn't want to use the term shout outs. I know, so I know. I apologize for that. My br- I just had a total like brain blank. Well, I wrote shout outs in the show notes. So it's oh, that's why I was thinking it. Yeah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. We've been getting a lot of great feedback and comments on Instagram. So we're going to start uh, doing little shout outs to creators and hopefully get them on as guests and get their books um, talked about too. But right out of the gate, uh, Anthony, who is uh, at Worlds Within Worlds on Instagram, that's Worlds underscore within underscore Worlds, he asked uh, if we are aware of artist Bill Seinkweik. I cannot pronounce that dude's name. <laughs> Seinkweik. Uh, I would S- say it's, uh, uh, oh my God, I had it in my head. Um, uh, Sinkowitz. Sinkowitz. And uh, specifically the miniseries Legion, uh, both the comic and the TV show. Uh, Anthony wants to know if we are familiar with it. He's going back through our old episodes and um, was just curious. So I figured we'd talk about that real quick. Um, I am not familiar with Legion, but I am familiar with Sinkowix. Uh, uh, See, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, oh, because you- he illustrated the New Mutants back in the oh. 80s when I read the New Mutants. And, you know, Rom. I mean, who can forget Rom? That was like, Oh, that's, that's- right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but yeah, wait, wait, I had, to, look, I had the... to look him up because I, I the name looked familiar and I didn't know what title I'd seen his name on it. I'm assuming it was New Mutants, but Legion, no, I'm not aware of. You're not familiar with the TV show even? Oh, is it the same thing? Yeah, same thing. The comic came first oh. and then the TV show uh, oh. was based on that. Yeah, I know that. Uh, 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 yeah, April from Parks and Rec is in it. Exactly. And I'm, I'm also familiar with the TV show. It's kind of like Umbrella Academy where I knew a comic existed, but I could not tell you the first thing about it. And I the didn't TV even show know there is, was a comic. That's Oh yeah. You know, the TV <laughs> show is, is much more familiar. So I'm like Umbrella Academy. I'm going to have to go back and, and take in the comic at some point. Um, it's going to be very difficult because when, the, when these shows come out and they dramatize these stories, in very specific ways, or you have a, you know, you have a, uh, an actor portray a character. It's very hard to divorce yourself of that when you go back and then read of it. Course, yeah. You know, it's very, very, very tricky. So, and, and, you know, vice versa, a lot of people will say, well, I had the idea of this character in my mind when I read it and now this doesn't quite work. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to do that. I think in the case of the Umbrella Academy, it's going to be very difficult. Legion, I'm not as married to the show. I mean, it's a great show. Uh, I just haven't, yeah, I'm not sort of, I can, I think I can separate them in my mind and, and, and treat, you know, treat them as separate pieces. Well, um, that, that's interesting about Umbrella Academy, which I have not watched yet, but 
the first volume is available on Comixology Unlimited. So yep. I have it on my uh, uh, tablet ready to read. Um, and in fact, thought I might prepare it for today's episode, but have not done that. But yeah, my intention was like, read the first volume, then jump into the show and compare from that angle. I've got so some inside baseball, by, by the way, for you on that too. It, it, Diamond, which is the main yeah. comics distributor for most comic shops, although not for Barnes & Noble, which is a different distributor, by the way. Um, but Diamond has kind of dropped the ball on Umbrella Academy. So there's a lot of comic shops that are out of oh, that book. Um, across the country. I kind of learned that at our last book club meeting at uh, at a oh. local comic shop here. They're like, they're kind of moaning about the fact that Diamond's dropping the ball on these things. And even uh, Captain Marvel too. It seems like they're, there's not as much Captain Marvel stuff as there could be with that movie coming out. So Interesting. Yeah, keep, the, this issue of previews is all about Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, the comic book shops are doing nothing but prep you for Captain oh, Marvel. Man. So. so here it comes. It's like, I m- remember when Deadpool 1 came out. That was just like Deadpool was half the store. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, literally. okay. One other thing I want to mention real quick. Uh, some uh, Somebody on Instagram sent us a link to Rising Sun Comics, which is a great little indie publisher. Um, so check them out, risingsuncomics.com. None of this is paid for. This is just cool people on Instagram giving us little shout outs. If you're a creator or a publisher or an illustrator um, and you want us to ch- uh, check out your stuff or maybe featured on the show, Find us on Instagram, send us a private message, or email us info at panelism.inc. That's panelism.inc. So that and, and maybe we'll reshout you on the show. That's what we're going to call it from Re-shouts. now on. When we- yeah. I'm so proud of us both because we have both uh, or each nuked our Twitters. Um, so we can't retweet <laughs> you. Our, our, our tweeters exist, but uh, I use tweet delete. To wipe mine out. I don't know what you did. I use uh, something like that because I realized yeah. Twitter does not have that functionality baked in, which is you know, I know, what funny. By the way, we should clarify, neither of us did this for any sort of embarrassment or of any kind. Like neither of no. us are embroiled in some kind of uh, sexual scandal and we had to delete I didn't all even stuff. think of that until you said it. And now I'm wondering what, what dark past you're trying to hide from us. Yeah. Or uh, vice versa. Taylor was just fired from a movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I was a stand-up comic and said some things. No, I just I, it's oh, it's boy. one of those things. I'm really I'm really focusing most of my attention on Instagram, uh, Pinterest to some degree, and then LinkedIn for my business stuff. So I just over time, Facebook and Twitter just aren't as valuable or useful to me as they once were. So it's simple as that. Well, uh, I, I I don't know that I can come up with a better transition, but that feeds into the theme. <laughs> There's no of, transition for that. I know, there's no, there's just, yeah, just a hard left turn. Um, but that feeds into the themes of the book that I, I'm bringing today, uh, which of course you have at this point heard in our little uh, uh, pre-show intro um, and gotten some hint of it. But I wanted to talk about <laughs> a pretty old book that I went back to uh, just to kind of refamiliarize myself with it and um, had a lot of thoughts and thought, well, I'll just talk about this on the show. And that is Batman and Robin, colon, Batman Reborn. Um, it was written by Grant Morrison. It was illustrated mm-hmm. by Frank Quitely. Uh, it's DC, Quitely, yeah. obviously. Um, it was released in 2010. The stories appeared in uh, 2009. I'm a bit confused because uh, Grant Morrison says in the epilogue, like in the sort of DVD extras of the volume, collected volume, that these stories had been, they'd been working on these stories. I don't know if he meant we'd been working on the story since 2006 or if he meant all the Batman stories from 2006 forward fed into the theme of this. Mm. Um, and even though I lo- 
looked at this epilogue today to remind myself of these things. Um, I also don't remember what reboot this, what, like what reboot this was a part of, if it was new 52 or, um, it must've been new 52 or rebirth. I don't know, whatever they were rebooting at the time. Um, let me give you that, that back cover since it is a, a Batman and, and Robin book. Uh, and then I'll try to explain it. The Dark Knight has fallen, sacrificing himself in the final crisis to defeat the ultimate evil. Tim Drake has laid down the mantle of Robin to search the world for a sign that his mentor can be brought back from oblivion. Now there's a new dynamic duo in town. Dick Grayson, the original Robin, has taken up the cape and cowl of his former partner. And Damian Wayne, the assassin-raised son of Bruce Wayne, has become a a deadly new Robin, ready to fight crime by any means necessary. Together, this masked odd couple must stop a rising tide of villainy (laughs) whose savagery and brutality are unlike anything Gotham City has ever seen. They must also overcome a lethal pair of rival vigilantes uh, with ties to their own tragic past and stay away from each other's throats long enough to succeed. So if you don't know what's going on, uh, and this is why I think Morrison may have been talking about like the the uh, not these stories in particular starting in 2006, but sort of the run of Batman up to the rebirth of DC or whatever it was called um, is that uh, Bruce Wayne was dead at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe he was traveling through time. (laughs) Something like that. How they explained that. Uh, um, But anyway, so, uh, so yeah, Dick Grayson is now Batman and uh, Damian Wayne, which is way too close to Damon Wayans. Um, <laughs> Isn't it? Name. Yeah. Because yeah, every time I, I try to say it without looking at it, that's what I want to say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so Damien is the new Robin. He is 10 years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is Bruce Wayne's son. His mother is uh, Talia Al Ghul, mm-hmm. right? Did I have mm-hmm. that right? Yep. So uh, Arash Al Ghul's Grandson. daughters. Yeah. And there is Talia. So this is. Uh, um, the grandson of 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 Raish, as I've heard that. That's do you pronounced. say Raish or do you say Raz? Because there's. I'm, just I, trying, I'm trying to be the ultra nerd, like all right. the, the pedants pedant on the show. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I say Raz, but um, Raz is cooler. I have but some. Then that by the way, me a Frazier. Anyway, oh go ahead, god, I have some. I have some interesting context on this actually. So oh boy, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so glad you picked this. Grant Morrison on an episode of Fat Man on Batman years ago back when it was uh, Kevin Smith interviewing just people and, and Grant Morrison was on for a while. He had mentioned this was his absolute favorite version of Batman because it inverts the the tradition of, of dark, grim Batman, lighthearted Robin. Now it's lighthearted Batman, dark, grim Robin. You know, it's like you got this yeah. little kid who's like fighting against the world and then Dick Grayson who's more like, yeah, it's all good. You know, he's, he's not maybe, he's not the dude, but it's, it's, it's much more the reverse of that dynamic. And Grant Morrison said he could have written this forever and ever. And like, this was his favorite version of Batman to write. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. You picked this for that reason. I've been wanting to get into this or get more insight into it since I heard that episode. Well, I, this was a, uh, actually a, a, a time in DC comics that I really loved what DC was doing. Uh, and then I feel like they screwed it all up with rebirth. And again, mm. I, I don't have my dates right. So I could have these things totally backwards. But at this time, another dynamic duo that I really loved was Stephanie Brown was Batgirl and um, uh, Barbara Gordon as Oracle was basically her mentor. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so perfect. And, and Stephanie Brown was much more of like, 
you know, it was, it was much more of like that. Uh, I, I think she was in college. She wasn't a teenager, but it was that definitely that, that it captured the spirit of like an, the original Batgirl or what we want to imagine of like, you know, this, the young woman who just, you know, is just, she's very earnest and wants to help out in the crime fighting. She doesn't have a big dark backstory, but mm-hmm. now at this point in time, the original Batgirl, Barbara Gordon has that dark backstory because she is paralyzed uh, from the Joker, you know, shooting her. So it was like another sort of flip there, you know, instead of the grim Batman as the uh, mentor to Batgirl, this anyway, you have the, the grim Oracle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- those two things were happening concurrently in the DC universe. Uh, and then I guess DC got sick of that and, and brought, all the original people back and you know it's they i don't know i can't really tune into it now so i like we've discussed before the best batman books are elseworlds books or (laughs) self-contained universe books meaning like the dark knight strike uh the dark knight uh returns is technically in canon but it can very much be its own thing killing joke is this weird like it's its own thing but it's also got the you know barbara gordon canon bit in it for some reason like well so the i best killing joke has now been like retconned in but i don't dark knight returns is- no it hasn't i believe that batman kills the joker at the end of killing joke so it can't be retconned in because batman oh, no. would have been sick taken to prison oh so, but yeah. No, uh, uh, but remember then the, <laughs> I mean, you don't remember this because you didn't read it, but I think I told you about this off air, uh, in the Tom King stories before the wedding, Joker tells Catwoman that Batman just stood there and laughed with him mm-hmm. and that he, so he didn't. I him. don't want to accept that version of, of you. <laughs> I, the killing joke only works when Batman kills the joke, like it's, uh, we can talk about this in another episode because I, the way, and, and it, let's be honest, the way Grant Morrison wrote it, not Grant Morrison, the way, um, uh, uh, Alan Moore, Alan Moore, Jesus, thank you. The way Alan Moore wrote it, it, it's supposed to be non-definitive. I mean, right, the whole right, right. point yeah. was that it's like, look, if I'm going to, if I told you this, that would be lame. Like it's for you to determine. And from my interpretation of events <laughs> based on all available evidence, Todd, is that he kills the Joker. So, well, so I mean, no. if you want to bring the movie into it, it's after. Let's Batman. never bring the movie into this. <laughs> it's after Batman's affair with Batgirl. Oh Christ! <laughs> the movie should never be referenced again. You, oh, oh God! My God! Let's not anyway. go back there. We talked about the movie in an episode. I forget which number it is. If you're really curious about Todd and I's opinions on the movie, uh, go back and find that, and and just forget oh, it ever happened. But Lord. real quick, okay, going back to yeah. Batman and Robin, Batman Beyond. Are we talking about volume one that has that kick-ass yellow cover? Yes. So this okay. is a uh, uh, Batman reborn, not beyond. I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's great that you bring up that quote from fat man on Batman, because uh, also in the DVD extras here, uh, Morrison talks about just how the color scheme was supposed to work and, um, and, t- and drawing on that color scheme from the sixties Batman mm. and, you know, positioning like those really bright primary colors with the sort of, grim dark stuff of mm-hmm. uh, uh you know of gotham and i think <clears throat> in that respect i think frank quietly is such a perfect artist to do this because he pulls it off in this way that doesn't i, I mean they're definitely like he's grounded in a traditional comics sense you know this mm-hmm. is not it, it's not like uh you know there's there's it's not i don't know deconstructing like what a comic is or anything like that, but quietly just has this way of illustrating where all those colors like make sense, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, even compared to, uh, Oh my gosh, the name escapes me. But uh, in white Knight, um, Sean, 
uh, uh, illustrator, you know, in, in white knight that we read last year, um, John Murphy, you're, 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 Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, where that was, that drew on a lot of the history of Batman, but it still stayed very much in that like grim, dark kind yeah, of yeah. color scheme, you know? Um, and this one works with those bright primary colors so well. I mean, it's, there's a villain introduced very like in the first page, uh, who's called Mr. Toad, who like literally resembles a toad and he has these bright orange eyes and just the way that like his green skin and his orange eyes contrast off the like, you know, blue background and the dark car that they're driving in and stuff. It's, it's just very cool. It's like arresting, you know, right, right away. Mm -hmm. You're kind of Mm -hmm. interested in it. Um, quietly. And I would say this is like a recommended, if you like sort of thing, if you liked all-star Superman, which Mm. is like sort of an alternate take on, um, Superman. And I, I think, hopefully you can Google this while I ramble. I think that's Morrison also. Am I wrong about that? That might be Morrison oh, quietly as well. Um, but anyway, this ask me that, wouldn't you? I know this one. It, is, it is definitely that. Frank quietly. Uh, I know uh, yeah, yeah. Grant Morrison and great. Yeah. It's okay, the yeah, same yeah. team. So this is kind of their, it, it, and to me, it's such a cool take on the Batman and Robin story because at the time of all-star Superman or shortly after that, there was all-star Batman and Robin by Frank Miller, which was not at all like all-star <laughs> Superman. Um, oh, man. That's the one that you and I have mentioned on a couple of shows. Uh, I'll probably talk about it at length at some point. It's it's very interesting, but it's the one where he, he kills the Green Lantern at some point. Yeah. And, or he, and then they have to perform like an emergency tracheotomy. And it, it's just crazy. You know, that's that's the one of the famous, like, I'm the goddamn Batman quote that yeah, you yeah. may have seen in memes and stuff. Anyway, so, yeah, as you point out, this is great because Dick Grayson does not have that that mean uh you know the 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 concise way of speaking that bruce might have had when bruce was so stern and and very you know kind of strict in in his instruction to people uh and dick grayson is definitely there's even a conversation with alfred where he's wondering like how can i bring this kid in they're sort of talking about like teaching styles in a in a brief way you know um now what is unintentionally or or possibly intentionally hilarious about it is Damien is such an asshole <laughs> and and he's supposed to be 10 years old and he's like basically insufferable i mean i would never <laughs> never if i were batman i would never take this kid out with me um you know constantly ignoring uh you know dick's commands constantly going too far and being too violent with people so he's you know his excuses like i was raised by the league of assassins or whatever you know i can damage you in all these different ways um there is a great turning point in this where uh, you know dick has to save uh damien and and then there's this you know like kind of quick one-liner where damien's like oh did you just save my life and you, you can kind of feel the tone shift right there of, oh, that's what this is about. We're partners. You know, this is anyway. Um, but the story here. So in volume one, I had read this as these issues were coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd read that whole like couple of arcs. I don't know how many how many issues it went until Batman was resurrected um, and then kind of gave up on the Batman and Robin series once it was Bruce Wayne, because to me it was the interesting thing was that dynamic of of Damien and, and Dick. Um, but I never read it collected in a volume. And so there's, there's almost, it feels like there's two arcs here, but they're related 
I mean, they definitely like one leads into the other, but it's sort of, of, I mean, this is a terrible, terrible uh, comparison, but it's sort of like that first season of Luke Cage. Oh yeah. I sort of wish the first six episodes and sort of the first arc of this, like I could have just stopped reading there and going like, yeah, I love it. And the next arc, not that it was um, bad at all. It just wasn't as satisfying it's too uh, jarring of a, of a tonal shit. Well, it's al- like although like, you do have to hear that, like in the Batman and Robin, you do have to have the the turning point of Damien figuring out that you know how he works with Dick. That that's very important. Mm-hmm. It's just the first one is such a great introduction. I think it's you well, know it's where does a- where do pig people and all of that come into play? Because <laughs> you you tease this up pretty well. Oh man. yeah, that's true. We can't we can't, uh, we can't let that slide. It was you know. Um, one of the things that's really difficult to balance, like as a, a you know writer and artist, the, the creators of this book is is what a freaking horror show Gotham is. Mm-hmm. And the first story is absolute. I think that's where the distinction is. So the first story in this is absolutely like a horror show. That is mm. the theme of this. There is this villain named Pig P Y G, <laughs> um, who you assume is wearing sort of a pig mask. Um, but he's turning people into living dolls. He calls them dollatrons, but they look like sort of a, uh, uh, that, that old doll, the sort of raggedy Ann, raggedy Andy doll, where it's got like the stringy red hair and the moon shaped face, you know, just like, so, but he's taking like this false skin or it's real skin. We don't know. It's some sort of face and he's surgically attaching it to a person's face. So they are completely disfigured. Um, and then they're also sort of mind controlled by him, or at least they just become these sort of violent zombies at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super gross. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> real quick, because I'm, I'm assembling a list of co- uh, comics and graphic novels for my friend's son, who's I think in fifth grade. Is this a kid appropriate book? Is no. that too disturbing? I no. don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not the, you know, not a parent, so I can't really say at this point they've probably seen, you know, many more murders in Avengers movies and stuff like that. But uh, it's, you know, um, it it to me feels like a horror movie. Like it feels like the the level of that. I, I actually think it's it's I think it's more disturbing than White Knight for sure. Wow. OK. Um, but it does have these these, you know overlaps there of like drug trade and stuff. And one of my, my segue to get us into talking about the book was the social media thing that we've been talking about. There's a theme of that, but but when you think back to this was 10 years ago when they wrote this, it is done in a very cool way where uh, social media is present and like referenced, but it's not so overwhelmingly hammered that it ages the book, you know, like that it dates the book. Um, and I, what I thought was funny was the way that uh, one of the characters talks about branding. And although I know that was a, a word we were using as a verb 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, it's still progressed way beyond that. So this, that almost feels like uh, futuristic that, okay. you know, when you look at a 10 year old book and you're like, wow, he's talking about branding. That's, you know, farsighted. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so the first story is about this, this pig character and sort of this weird drug connection to everything. Um, and there's a character in that who has the doll face like sewn or attached or whatever to her. She and her father, her father was part of this drugs trade that, and also this human trafficking thing that was going on. And when shit goes down and Batman busts them, the father is like, we got to get out of town and tries to, tries to escape with his daughter, but pig shows up at his door, captures them both. 
puts the mask on the father. The father's like, you know, he turns into the Dolatron zombie. Um, the girl Scarlet does not turn into that. Like she's still aware of who she is, even though she has this horrible face and she's very, con- you know, conflicted and disturbed and everything by that. Um, and the way that ties in. So that's sort of the first arc. And then the second arc is the return of the red hood, who is Jason Todd, who is, uh, what was he? The second Robin, I guess he was the second Robin after Dick Grayson left Mm -hmm. and famously hilariously killed. Uh, not that the depiction of his murder was funny, but, um, that character actually died because DC comics ran like a 900 number to vote whether he should live or die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People like, I think sort of stacked it, uh, sort of like when, um, uh, uh, Jesse won that uh, competition on MTV to become a VJ and everybody knew that Dave should have won. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, it was sort of stacked and, and Jason had to be killed off in this death and family arc, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know anything about the Red Hood when I wikipedia it today to kind of figure this out. I guess Jason had been Red Hood before this book in a couple stories. Okay, He just sort of, like they hadn't used him in a while. So it was sort of Grant Morrison that brought him back in to this character. Red Hood has decided, so the second arc of this is Red Hood has decided he will become sort of the anti-Batman and actually stop crime because everyone, like he knows Batman's dead. Not everyone does, but he knows the actual Batman's dead. So he wants to stop crime by actually killing criminals. And he enlists this girl that's been traumatized and disfigured as his sidekick, Scarlet. So that's where that weird back cover story about the new uh, uh, duo in town Um so they are, you know, they're sort of the, the uh, not bizarro in the funny way, but they are the bizarro Batman and Robin. So you've got this new Batman and Robin, and you've got this like kind of sick twist on them that goes around actually killing criminals. Mm. Um, and so that's where I think that's where it transitioned into more of a typical Batman. Well, I don't know. The pig story is kind of typical Batman too, but it, it once it included the larger DC universe, I guess, of Red Hood, that's mm. where I was like, oh boy. Because the pig story... And man, that makes it sound like that's just where I wasn't as invested because the pig story showed how you can write like a horrible crime story without using Joker or Mm -hmm. relying on the, you know, uh, the rogues gallery. Like, and it, and it was, even though it didn't get into the intricacies, um, it, it the tie-ins to like human trafficking and the drug trade. And, you know, I, I guess it came up because pig had invented this drug that helped con, you know, sort of control people, make them docile and, and subservient. Uh, but then he realized like, Oh, I don't need to just be selling this to the human traffickers. I can be, I can be the one at the top of the pyramid and I can be the, you know, one manufacturing this and selling it uh, on the black market. So it, it had all those elements and it felt like a real quest for them to stop him before, if things got too terrible, you know, is whereas, this, with- uh, well, is this a, is this a situation where volume one collects basically issues one through four were a very specific arc and then is- issues five through eight were a very different arc. And that's why it feels jarring. Well, <clears throat> this is actually just one through six and it's all in volume one. Okay. So I think, I mean, I really think it is that, that Luke cage, like first season thing mm-hmm. of uh, there is, like a hard stop resolution to the pig story before the red hood story comes in. So that's where you're like, Oh wow. You know, it's not like pig doesn't continue as a character. The events of those first three issues. They're like, it's too gross. We got to stop it. Let's. Get I mean, it certainly is like, 
and 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 the reason I um I, I mean I'm again I'm not I'm really not giving it a I really don't want to try to like make it sound like I'm giving a negative review of the last three issues. Oh no no. But Actually. when I realized when I reread this that I remembered the first part of the arc and didn't remember the second part and I think it's because of that you know the red hood comes in and I'm like oh red hood whatever I just you know uh <laughs> but I didn't I didn't, to, I didn't think connect, the you know? threat. Eh, whatever red hood hey John what's going yeah because he's uh you again? I mean, it, is, it is an interesting like twist and it's you know the twist we've seen before but it is an interesting like uh you know that that mirror image of the Batman with one exception, which is he will kill. Oh, do you know who that else? Do you know who else? That is, the same exact kind of character is the Wrath. Do you remember the mm, Wrath? No. Um, go look go, either now or after this episode is over. Go Google Batman the Wrath. It was another guy whose parents died that same night. Um, that oh my God! That what Thomas, Martha Wayne's parents died? <laughs> he decided to become uh, a vigilante too, but. Very much like this Red Hood situation, he kills. Uh, he's basically like Batman without any limits. I mean, <laughs> a couple, couple of comics where he and the Batman uh, uh, meet up or they confront each other. And uh, now, very, very that would be so interesting because I think what's missing is um, Dick Grayson just seems like a nicer person, mm -hmm. um, and to uh, it would be interesting to see Bruce and Dick confront the wrath as that and then to to see bruce have an actual like you know moment of self-reflection where he goes oh christ i'm almost that guy yeah no. <laughs> that would be interesting to me to like show batman what a thug he is but in this it's just dick going like jason let's get you some help come on dude this is crazy you know i love the idea of dick grayson as batman Lee, oh like, it's amazing i've always loved the idea of nightwing so the fact that he is batman and then that dynamic has changed I'm right there with you. Like I'm right there with Grant Morrison too. Where like this seems like you know, I, with sixty plus years of Batman, what else are you gonna do, right? Yeah. So you got to think of new interesting ways to subvert it, like the White Knight, like Dark Knight Strike uh, Returns. Yeah. I don't want to say Strikes again, like Dark Knight Returns, and like this. It's like how do we take, you know, how do we flip this on its head? Did did Grant Morrison invent? Um, uh, I was gonna say Damon Wayans, Damian Damian Wayans. Did Don't he know. is that his creation? I think it is. I think this I, was maybe not this book, but I think Grant Morrison created Damien Wayne. I I believe. I wouldn't doubt it. And I think that's what he was referencing in the epilogue or the DVD extras of that. I think what he meant was like by 2009, we you know, he had sort of written the whole origin of Damien and the scene, you know, it was like with Final Crisis and Bruce dying. This was sort of the the way to proceed, you know. Yeah. Um but it was, I remember at the time, it was such a breath of fresh air in the Batman canon, just like Stephanie Brown is bad girl. Yeah. Um, and uh, to, to reread it, I was very happy to see like, I mean, of course, Quietly's art is going to stand the test of time, no matter what, you know, yeah. like, um, but, but just also to see that story. And I think had it been a Joker story, um, and even though Red Hood was already in the rogues gallery, he wasn't like so well known that, you know, he'd been overused. Yeah. Uh, Penguin makes an appearance, but it's really like as a, a kind of a walk on. So <laughs> these things, um, it, it, I think it stands up because of that, because okay. it's not trying to, to put two new characters in the same old Batman story. Yeah. And there's, and there's a great mirror image there too, 
of, you know, when you think of like the dynamic duo facing off against two vigilantes, like having, having that, that bizarro pair that they're going against and both of them are former Robins, Ooh, you know, yeah. is, it, that's an interesting dynamic well, too. And, and one Robin had a much better life than the other one. Yeah. You know, it's like Jason Todd's fate. I mean, that could have been, that could have easily been Dick Grayson's fate. Yeah, had he been in the wrong place in the wrong time. So the fact that it was Jason Todd, who, you know, by, by no fault of his own, it had this happen to him. And it's like, you know, I can easily see some really juicy story stuff there too, where it's like, look, dude, you've had, you had everything handed to you. Yeah. Your parents died, but like Bruce was a father to you. And I, this is yeah. my fate and, and God damn it. Yeah. That's, that's, I like that juxtaposition. I'm going to have to, I was already interested in reading this. This is the fact that it goes into that territory. I'm actually, I, I think I'll enjoy the second half more than the first part. Based oh, on- cool. Yeah. And I mean, of course, like the, the art stands up and, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't drop a beat in any way, like story wise or anything like that. I think, I think it's, it's merely that, uh, that my brain isn't used to, you know, you find the main bad guy and then he's like defeated definitively (laughs) in the first half of the book. And you're like, wait, what? Um, but that's, and I, you know, it's, I, I would love to hear other people's take on this because to me it works as a standalone and uh, it, when it gets to the end and there are hints of like what's to come, I, I found myself doing that thing of like, you know, flipping the page, like, Oh, where is, and then, and then going like, Oh no, no, of course that was just the end of the, it, you know, it's done. That was the end of the volume. Yeah. Um, so that's always good when you feel like, Oh, I, this cliffhanger kind of makes me want to keep reading. Mm. Um, but also feeling like I can shut this book. And that's it. And you know, I'm done. Yeah. I'm good. Best Batman stories where you they're self-contained, and then you, there's not some greater mythos that you have to figure out. Yeah, what exactly. That's why when you're you're trying to decide if this is part of the new Fifty Two or not, like it doesn't matter. I think the stuff, right. the Batman stories that work. And strangely, this does not apply, in my opinion, to Superman. I feel like Superman has to have continuity. Batman doesn't. And I don't know why I feel that way. I just it, maybe it's just the the track record speaks for itself. I just I like these Batman stories where it's like yeah you it can it can all fit together if you really want it to. Grant Morrison himself has a really interesting unified string theory of Batman that um, you can go look up at some point. But like I like these little self-contained uh, these little self-contained arcs or vignettes or whatever, whatever you want to refer to them as. Yeah, I would I would definitely put it uh, put it up there. It's hard for me to think of putting this on my shelf next to things like Hush and Long Halloween, but I don't yeah. know why that is. And I think it's just that like mental separation of Bruce and Dick, but you know, I like, I, but I, I story wise, I, yeah, I think it's, it's just as good as, as those. So one other thing I'll mention as a, if you like uh, this, then that Frank quietly and Morrison did all-star Superman, like we talked about, but there's also a really cool collaboration in the multiversity where oh. uh, Grant Morrison did a, uh, a take on the Charlton comics characters like they were the Watchmen, which is and, and quietly drew it, which is fascinating because it's the original idea of the Watchmen was DC had just acquired these Charlton characters, like the question and Blue Beetle and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, let's that was originally what Grant Moore's uh, Jesus Christ, Alan Moore was gonna <laughs> was gonna write with, and for some reason he and um uh, he and the team like went a different way and they kind of all the Watchmen characters are analogs of the Charlton characters in some way, shape or form. So it was really cool to see Grant Morrison go like in his, in his own words. He's like, you know, when the, when the Ruddles did the Beatles, 
this is what, you know, I'm going to do that with these Charlton characters and give you sort of the Watchmen story. Um, and, and Quietly's art really fits it incredibly well. So check that out too. If you like, if you that's dig cool. this matchup, that's kind of like a really deep cut that, that you'll, that you might really dig too. And speaking of deep cuts, <laughs> oh, no. uh, you talked in depth about multiversity in episode number 57. We were talking in our last episode about it's if you're new, if you're, yeah, wow. if you're new to this podcast and that was just last year. <laughs> that blows my mind. It seems like we just talked about that. Um, that, uh, you know, where to start if you're new to this podcast. Um, and we talked about this in the last episode, but definitely whenever we mention old episodes, I like to quickly try to figure out what number that was in so you can dig back and, and find it. Um, yeah. And where else can people find us, Taylor? You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and all the rest. Uh, search for Panelism, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can also find us on Instagram. We are panelism.inc, and that is also our website, www.panelism.ink, where you'll find all our past episodes and more. And um, yeah, check us out. Leave us a comment on Instagram. Send us an email, info at panelism.inc. And again, tell your friends, if you enjoy the show, share an episode or your favorite episode with your friends, get them hooked on the show, get them hooked on comics in general. It's a great, great time to be a a comics reader or a graphic novel collector. Uh, Absolutely. In cases, we're both. Yeah. Well, until next time, I will see you then, or I will see you at another time. It works enough. (laughs) It works it works enough. I feel like if we had a production company, that would be the time. It works enough. <laughs> <laughs>